0: Right, let's have our ushers come forward at this time if we could for our morning offering and as they're coming we just want to highlight uh, one of the ministries that we do here at Union Baptist Church and one of the things that we can do because of the giving and support of each one of you uh, this this afternoon as we have for the probably past couple years now we're, we're going to be going to Oakwood Nursing Home in Tell City and uh, that's a ministry that God has blessed we've, we've seen one person baptized and We've seen others there who are just helped by that ministry, who are encouraged uh, just by visiting with us and then by having the word taught to them and preached to them. And uh, so just a great ministry. If you uh, don't have anything going on or maybe you need to rearrange your schedule, uh, you could join us this afternoon at at, uh, Oakwood Nursing Home and you could see Pam or me for for more details. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and, and we do pray as we give this morning, we we're aware of your goodness to us, your faithfulness to us. we're, we're aware of the bounty and the, the blessing that you have just lavished upon us. Help us not to be short-sighted in that Lord. Help us not to be um, to just grow accustomed to what you've given to us. Lord help us to have grateful hearts. and as a result of that Lord I pray that you would help us to be cheerful givers. Help us to see the importance of the ministry that we're doing here, the importance of the missions that we're supporting all around the world, and, and let us motivate that because we desire to make disciples of, of every nation. Help, us, help that to be the, the motivator, that, the desire that leads us to faithfully give. And we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. This morning we're continuing in the book of Ephesians. If you go ahead and take your Bible this morning and turn to Ephesians chapter 4, We're going to be looking at these same verses again as we talk about the Christian change process. We know that as Christians, Vance mentioned in his prayer that uh, the end goal is not simply believing and then being baptized and confessing our faith in Christ. That's only the beginning of the the Christian life. That's, That's where we start. Praise God, we need that. We we need that moment of conversion and we need to be born again and we need to publicly confess our faith in Christ. But for too many churches and for too many Christians, it seems like, okay, now we're done. I walked the aisle, I prayed, I I asked Christ to save me and I've been baptized and now I'm a member of the church and I'm saved and satisfied and I'll just ride my time out until I get to heaven. But we know that that is not... Uh, the end game for the Apostle Paul. He said that the goal was that we would be built up till we attain full maturity, that we would be built up to the full stature of Christ. We as individuals and then corporately together, we should reflect in a better way uh, Christ and his image. We should look like Christ as individuals and corporately we should we should be an image uh, uh, image bearers or reflectors of Jesus Christ. And it's a process in reaching that point. And we call that process sanctification. So let's read uh, these verses once more. Ephesians 4, and verse. we'll start at verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, To put off, this is what you've been taught in Christ, remember? To put off your old self. That's step one. Put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So we looked last week at sort of what we called, if you want to think of these as steps, although they're not really steps in that formal way, but, but, but the first aspect of our sanctification is, is that putting off our old self. And you remember what we highlighted there is that that really is in the past tense in that verse. It's not so much a command as it is a statement of fact for the believer. You have, if you are in Jesus Christ, if you have believed in him, you have already put off your old self. It's a, It, it was an event that occurred in your, in your life. We are then to be those who are striving. We talked about last week, striving for holiness and making every effort to add to our faith virtue this change process that we are to be about is not something that just automatically happens to us magically. Well, I've been saved one year and just God has just changed me without any effort, without any involvement on my part. That's not the way it works. But we are to instead, as Philippians 2 says, we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who's working in us. So it's God working in us, but he works not apart from our effort in our work. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and apart from me, you can do nothing. It is Christ in us who is bringing this about, and yet we are to play a a, a role and a a part in this. Our effort uh, is is part of this process. We saw last week that the Christian change process, it begins with that radical event that we talked about, that the old self has been put off. That word, uh, in other places, Paul talks about you know put to death, your your old self, or you have died in Christ. Uh, but but this is a different analogy, but it's getting to the same point. Like like you have a jacket, you take it off, you lay it aside. He's saying that's what has occurred to you. Your old self has been put off. It's been laid aside, and it's a it's an event that that occurred. It's instantaneous. Paul said. I have been crucified with Jesus Christ. Therefore, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He had put off his old self, the old religious Pharisee that he was with all of his self-righteousness, with all of his hatred toward Christ. That had been put off on the Damascus road. And he's saying that's what's occurred to you. If you're in Christ, if you've been saved, you have put off your old self. It's an instantaneous, once-for-all-time event. For the believer, it has already occurred. You have put off your old self. But that's only the beginning of the change process for the Christian. The, the change that comes as a result of this te- death, it takes time. In fact, it takes the rest of our lives. It's a process, not a, a single event. I gave you an analogy last week, and I hope that was helpful. We We talked about if you imagine an organization or a company that was run by a manager who was just, a poor manager right the, the thing that you have to do at the end of the day if that person is just unable and unskilled to run a company effectively uh, is you have to fire him and you have to get somebody else in there right if you want the organization to, to do well and in a sense that's kind of what's happened to us at, at conversion we were dominated we were ruled by our old nature by our old self And now that old self has been put off. We've we've gotten rid of it. But, But you remember the analogy was this. The moment you fire that manager, all of your problems as an organization don't go away. Because that manager has gotten you into all kinds of contracts. He has set the financial policy for that company. He's hired people. He's, he's made personnel decisions. He's enacted policies in the company. If it's a big company, these policies could be run deep and they could take years and years to change. So you fire the guy, that's step one. You can't do anything until you get rid of him and hire somebody that, that knows what they're doing in terms of management. But once you have this new manager, that's only the beginning. He's got to go through and change all of the policy You know, all these contracts and you're underwater, you're losing money. It's going to take time to work all of those out and get new contracts. You've got people that he's hired that aren't doing their job right. They're not good employees. You're going to have to let some of them go and hire people that know what they're doing. And it's going to be a long process. And that analogy helps us understand what's occurred to us. In conversion, at, at redemption, when we're saved, the old self is put off. But guess what? We've got all kinds of decisions we've made. We've got all kinds of thought patterns. We've got all kinds of policies that we've been running our life by. And it's going to take a long time for us to work all of those details out. It's going to take a long time to break all of those old patterns and institute new policy, if you will. Now, two implications of this. One, you have to remedy the problem before your efforts can be effective. If you think that you can just simply live the Christian life without dying and putting off your old self, you're going to be like that company that's just going around behind that manager. They won't fire him, but they're just constantly going around trying to fix his mistakes. Well, you're never going to be successful because he's just going to keep making the same boneheaded decisions again and again and again, and and your efforts are going to be futile. Well, you as, as Christians, unless you have put off your old self, Unless you have gotten rid of your old nature by coming to Christ and believing and being saved, then you can try to reform your behavior, but you're going to find out you're going to be in the same places again and again and again. You're in bondage to that old nature and you have to put it off. That event has to occur. You must be born again if you're ever going to be effective in changing your life. It must begin with that one-for-all-time event that radical event of putting off your old self. But secondly, once you have died to your old nature, now you can be successful in changing. So Christian, don't believe the lie that says, you know, this is just who I am. I just struggle with this and I'll never get any victory over it. I'll never get rid of this sin. I'll never be able to change in this way because it's just who I am. If that's not true of you. If you're a believer, you have put off the old self. So to say it's just who I am, no, no, no. In conversion at salvation, that old self has been laid aside. You took it off like you're going to take off your jacket later when you, when you get home. Your old nature has been laid aside. Therefore, you have the ability this morning to change. Listen again to Colossians 3. Verse 5, Colossians 3, 5 says this, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Here's those behaviors that we need to change from. The sin. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these two, you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. So he uses both of those different words. At first he tells us to put these behaviors to death. Don't walk in sexual immorality or covetousness. Put it to death. Now he uses that second analogy. Now you must put them all away to put them off like you take off your jacket. And he goes on to list more of them. Anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. And notice what he says Now, He's commanded there, put these deeds to death. Put them off. Get rid of these behaviors out of your life. And he's, he mentions lying. Do not lie to one another. Now listen to what he says. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. You see, at first he said, you got to get rid of these behaviors. you got to put them off. But now he says, the reason you can do that and the reason you must do that is because you have already put off your old self. You've already fired that old manager, and now you've got to get rid of all of his bad policies. You've already got rid of your sinful nature. You've laid that off. It's been put to death. The power that it had and the control that it had over you is broken through the gospel and through Christ. You've been resurrected with Christ, so that has been put off, but now you've got all of these sinful practices that you've got to continue to put to death. You've got to continue to put them off. And that's what we're called to do. That is what this, this change process is how it begins and how it, how it continues. Once your old nature is put to death, then you can be successful in correcting those behaviors because the power of that old nature has been broken. So you might ask the question, this why is it so hard? Why do I find it so difficult to get rid of those sinful behaviors? Anger. You know, anger just seems to dominate me. I, I've tried to get rid of my anger, but why is it that I can't put it to death? Why is it that, that I cannot get rid of it? I seem to have such a difficult time with it. If, if my old nature has already been put off, why do I struggle? Well, listen, the difficulty is that we have learned behaviors over the years, and these practices have been ingrained in our lives and in our mind they're 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 through repetition and, and and through constant practice in these things we have learned certain behaviors and the power that that sin has over us is broken and yet we find ourselves going in the same direction again and again and again as i mentioned you know getting rid of that manager, firing him. Hopefully this analogy is helpful for you. It's helpful to me, so that's why I keep going back to it. But, but you understand that all of those policies that he's made, all of those decisions are, are continuing. You know, one of the things that you'd have to do if you were the new manager, if you wanted to change the direction, you said, we got to do things different. Uh, you're going to have to retrain those people again and again and again. They've learned practices, right? So you're going to walk out your door. You send that memo out, says, OK, we're not doing that. We're not doing that that way anymore. We've got new protocol. We're, we're, we're going to train you and you go take everybody through training. You walk out your door as the manager the next day. And what do you see? That guy's doing that the, the way he used to do it. He's, like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, man, I've been doing this for 20 years and we've always done it that way. And I don't even know exactly what you want me to do. It's going to take time again and again and again to break those wrong habits and establish new habits. That's what's going on with us as Christians. Our nature's been done away with that sinful nature, but we have established patterns of thinking and patterns of behavior, and it's going to take time again and again and again to change those. And that's what the change process in the Christian life is all about. That's why it is that the the Christian life is is like this. We we, uh, are involved in a lifelong, ongoing kind of work. What we see this morning is that a central part of this process of change is in renewing, or we might think of retraining, our mind. You see that. He says, you have put off your old self. And then he says, and renew, be renewed, in the spirit of your mind this is sort of phase two Uh, this renewal of the mind is central because think about this all of our actions and all of our behaviors are determined through our thinking your thinking and your mind is what drives your behavior so if you want to change your behavior you've got to change the way that you think. You've got to think in new ways. If you continue to think the same old ways and fill your mind with the same old things, then you're going to get the same old behavior that you had before. So in the Christian life, in this change process, this renewal of the mind is a central part of it. We've got to be changing the way that we think all of the time and conforming it to the Word of God. Now he says here, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Earlier, Vance read uh, Romans chapter 12. It said to be transformed through the renewing of your mind. But in this passage, it says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. What is the spirit of your mind? What is he talking about there? Well, I think what he's getting at is this our minds are not blank slates without any bent or without any direction, without any bias. Our minds are controlled by a way of thinking or by a disposition or by a temperament. In other words, we're not just like computers without, you know, we're just completely objective and you put the information in and you get the right answer out. That's not the way that our minds work. No, our minds are controlled by a way of thinking, a mindset, a worldview, a disposition. You've experienced this. I know you have. Have any of you ever experienced having an anxious disposition. Has there ever been a time when you've struggled with, with anxiety? What does that do to your mind? What, what, what happens to your mind as you become anxious about something? No matter what you're trying to think, no matter what you say, I'm going to think about something else, that anxiety, that, that anxious temperament draws you right back in and you're worrying and you're thinking about that thing that you're worried about. Or what about just having sort of an angry disposition we talk about it, don't we? I just woke up on the, on the wrong side of the bed. I, I'm just in a bad mood, a bad temper. What happens to your mind? That temperament, that mindset controls your thinking. And so as you're sitting there in the morning, And, and your spouse is sitting across from you eating cereal. All you can think about is her crunching that cereal and it's making you mad. And you say, I gotta think about something else and I gotta, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the paper. I'm gonna shift what I'm thinking about. But no matter what everybody around you does, because you have an angry disposition or an angry temperament, your thoughts just go right back to that. You, you, it's almost as if you can't control your own thoughts. You see, we're not as reasonable and as objective uh, in that moment. Your mind, your thinking and reasoning is controlled in that moment by a disposition, a temperament. And we're not, as human beings, we're not as objective and reasonable in the the truest sense because our, our minds are controlled by a way of thinking that dismisses or skews the truth. The reality is, for us this morning, is that the Bible teaches just like sometimes we're controlled by an angry disposition or temperament. Sometimes we're, we're controlled by an anxious temperament. The Bible teaches that we are all as a result of the fall, we are all under the control of a sinful disposition. In that moment, when you're getting angry, you say, I know this isn't reasonable. I know this isn't right. I know I love my wife, but why won't she stop crunching that cereal, right? Or I know that I shouldn't be worried about this. I know this is not even that big of a deal. I know that God's going to take care of me, but all I can think about in this moment of anxiety is just this these thoughts of anxiousness that controls our mind. Well, the the same is true when it comes to sin. We are all controlled by a sinful disposition. We are not objective in, in that way. We have a The spirit, you see, that's what he's saying. In the spirit of your mind, the disposition that you have needs to be made new. We would be wrong to think that there's only certain times or certain ways that we're controlled. The Bible teaches that we are all controlled by a sinful mindset. We are not objective. This is why simply giving people information and educating them is not an answer in itself whether you're talking about individuals the ills or the 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 problems that an individual is having or the problems of society at large education is not enough and that's what the world wants to do let's just educate let's teach you know so we go into impoverished neighborhoods if we simply teach them about good practices and the way that they ought to live their life then they will raise themselves up out of poverty if we go onto college campuses and universities and we, we educate them about sexual assault and, you know, no means no and, and, and just the wrongness of, it. if we just educate these young people about the dangers of drinking too much and all of this, then the problem will take care of itself. If we go into our high schools and we tell our young people the dangers of drug use and, and how this will wreck their lives and how they just need to say, just say no, right? If we educate them in that way, then then we can get rid of the, the problem of substance abuse. Well, we know that not as if those things don't have any effect or, or don't help at all. Uh, we probably ought to do those things, but they don't solve the problem, do they? That's because we have a sinful mind, a spirit of our mind that is bent towards sin. And so you can tell somebody about how wrong it is to sexually assault someone else. You can teach them and train them about it, but their mind doesn't compute that in the right way because they have a, the spirit of their mind is bent towards sin. It's bent in a, in a unhealthy direction. Our minds, you see, are not pristine, white, untainted unbiased machines you put in the right information you get out the right output right our minds don't work that way our minds are controlled by a sinful disposition a sinful viewpoint that taints our reasoning and our thinking if you want to think about a a computer you could think of it in this way Uh, the spirit of our mind might be something akin to the software you have the hardware Right? All of the, the, the parts that make up the computer. Uh, but that isn't enough, right? You have software that runs that computer and, and it causes it to function in certain ways. And and what this is saying if we're talking about the spirit of our mind that would be akin to to the software. The the problem isn't so much with the hardware with our with our brain. The problem is with the software that is running our brain. It's corrupted by sin like like a computer that gets a virus, right? You, you hit the button and it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. It doesn't function properly because there's a virus in that software. There's a problem there. And that's what he's saying here in the spirit of our minds. Our minds are corrupted by sin. This corruption came from and is a result of sin. You, you go back in what Paul's been talking about in verse 17. He says, don't walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their mind. And then verse 18, he says, they are darkened in their understanding. That's our mind. They are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. That's their mind. Their minds are ignorant of the truth and true reality. But why is it? Why are they ignorant? Why is their understanding darkened? Listen to what he says. They are the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. You see, there's a, there's a spiritual problem that has corrupted their understanding and has darkened their reasoning. And, and that, that corruption is sin. It's like I mentioned earlier, like waking up in a, a bad mood. You see everything as something that makes you mad. And so, so it is. Uh, we're walking through this life with a sinful disposition. We're in the ignorance of our mind, we're, the futility of our minds. This corruption came because of uh, uh on humanity it came on humanity because humanity bought into a lie you see that in verse 22 to put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires we have as humanity we've bought into a lie it goes back to Adam and Eve satan tempted them to doubt what was true what god had said you will not surely die They bought into that lie. You know what? I don't think we will die. God said, in the day that you eat of it, you will die. But I'm sort of doubting that now. And then Satan tempted them to believe something that was untrue. And he said, you know, God is really keeping something back good from you. He knows that there's something good and if you eat of this fruit, you would have it, but God doesn't want that for you. They believe that lie and as a result, all of humanity, all of us who have been born from Adam and Eve now have been corrupted in our thinking, our our understanding, our reasoning is darkened. As a result, humanity now all of us are truth suppressors. We deny the truth. We reject the truth. We hear the truth, but our minds are darkened. So we suppress it. We don't want to hear it. That's what Paul said in Romans 1.18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Listen to this. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. You see, that's that sinful disposition. The spirit of your mind. It's the spirit of your mind, the, the software that is that is running your mind is corrupted by sin. And so you hear the truth and you suppress it. I don't want to listen to that. I'm not responsible to God. I'm not accountable to God. God's ways are not right. What, what He's saying there about marriage and sexuality, what He's saying about, about materialism, that, I, I don't need to listen to that. That's not right. We suppress the truth in unrighteousness because we have sinful desires that we want to live out. And so God's wrath is coming because of the unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. As a result, in verse 22 of Romans 1, he says, they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became as fools. So then, because of this, because of this sinful disposition that controls our mind, we must renew our minds. Our minds have to be made new. They have to be cleaned up. We have to think in new ways. For the entirety of your life, until you came to Christ, your mind operated in this faulty way of thinking, suppressing the truth, denying the truth, believing lies. We have used our our minds to suppress the truth and to rationalize our sinful actions. We have filled our minds with things that are not true. And now we've got a lifelong process of getting rid of all that junk, getting rid of all of those lies, and bringing the truth of God into our mind. But it's a long process, isn't it? The way that we think is, is like this. Have you ever seen a, a path or a road and somebody in a, in a car or in a truck or something, they've gone down that road again and again and again. There are very deep ruts. Some of them, are they're so deep that, that it's almost impossible... It seems like, especially if you're driving a car or something, it almost seems impossible to kind of steer out of them. You're just locked into those ruts and you're going in the same way. And, and it's going to be very difficult to get out and go in a new direction. That's the way that our minds are. We've, we've used our minds to believe lies and reject the truth for so long over and over again. We have well-worn ruts within our mind, ways of thinking that are corrupted. And it's going to be a very difficult, long process, process of changing that we have built whole structures whole whole worldviews whole mindsets based on things that are not true we have believed and lived for some of us as if there is no god you know there's no god or we can't really be sure that there is a god and even if he is i'm not really accountable for him how could he hold me accountable for for my actions i'm i'm kind of independent We've believed lies like that. We've believed that God doesn't really worry Himself too much about me and my sin. Sin, My sin really isn't that bad. And we've thought that way for so long. We've believed lies like, you know, God is nothing but love. And therefore, really, all God does is just affirm whatever I do. No matter what I do, He just affirms me. Whatever decisions I make, it doesn't matter. It doesn't bother Him. He's constant affirmation because God is nothing but love. We've got a a wrong view of God that we've believed you know we we've believed things like money and possessions will make me happy and we've built a whole life in our mind a whole a whole way of thinking built on that lie that man if i just had you know if i could just make probably 15,000 more dollars a year maybe 20,000 i i think i'd be happy i think we'd have enough money we'd be able to pay the bills and set some back and i think everything would be good we've built our whole life on lies like that. We've built our life upon lies like, you know, I can't afford to give or I can't afford the time to, to serve. I need everything that I make. I need every moment of my my time. We've believed lies like, God wants me to be happy all the time, so, so I should just really do whatever is going to make me happy. I know God doesn't want me to stay in a marriage that isn't happy. I know He wouldn't want me to, to suffer in this way. So I'm going to take the steps that I need to take to, to make myself happy because I know God wants me to be happy. You see how that's that's motivated? All of those things, all of our actions are motivated by things that aren't true. And we've believed them for so long and we've taught ourselves those lies for, for so many years and built so much of our life upon those lies that now as new believers, we've got to go through and it's a long, long process of renewing our mind. You know what? Here's that old thought. That was a lie. I gotta get rid of that. It just happened there's a Bible here. I'm gonna put that into place there, right? The Word of God says something different. I gotta get rid of that lie, and I've gotta, I've gotta start thinking in a new way. That's what it means to renew your mind. That's what we're called to do. The change process in the Christian life then is battling against these old ways of thinking and instead allowing the Spirit of God through the Word of God to establish the truth in your mind, and then begin to act on the truth that God has implanted in your mind. Let's just break down quickly here. How are our minds renewed? How do we think in new ways? How do we develop and establish new ways of thinking? Well, the first thing that we see, and this is on your bulletin, if you want to be able to write these down and take them home. But the, the first thing is this, the Holy Spirit does the work. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind is actually a passive verb. Meaning, he's not saying here you renew your minds. He's saying allow your minds to be renewed. Allow them to be renewed. In other words, we need to cooperate. We'll talk about that in a second, but it is the Holy Spirit who makes our mind new. Renewal is a work of the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Titus 3 verses 4 to 6, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in unrighteousness, or in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit is, it is the Holy Spirit who makes our minds new. But secondly, we must cooperate with the Spirit by yielding our minds to Him. We must cooperate. He does the work, but this is a, this is, as we said last week, this is a joint effort. This is the Spirit of God and God working through our effort. And so they go hand in hand. The Spirit accomplishes this work, but He does it through our effort. So, listen to the command and the exhortation of Romans 8 5. For those who live according to the flesh, there's that old man, that old self, our sinful nature. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. So, that's the way that you, you lived before. You have this mind, and it was set, it was directed to your sin nature. So your sin nature had control and your thought life, your, your, your thinking was, was, was dominated by your old sinful nature. That is those who are living in the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So this is us now as believers. We were those who used our mind and set our mind on the things of the flesh, on our old sinful nature. Now as believers, we are to be those who set our minds on the Spirit and on the things of God. He says this, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Or Colossians chapter 3, verses 1-3, through 3, if you've been raised with Christ, seek things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds, there's a command, set your minds on things that are above. So we as believers now, we have the ability to do this. Because Christ dwells in us, because the Spirit of God has, has broken the power of our old sin nature, Now we have this this opportunity, this ability to no longer give my mind over to my fleshly, sinful desires that that still remain within me. I, I don't have to do that anymore. That anger comes, I don't have to give my mind. I don't have to yield my mind to those angry thoughts anymore. Now, I have the ability by the power of Christ, by the Spirit living within me to set my mind on the things of the Spirit. That's what our lives need to be filled with cooperating with the Spirit, yielding our minds to the Spirit. We've got to be constantly involved in this process. This, this verb here, uh, to renew the mind, it, we saw it's passive, but it's also a present tense which means it's an ongoing action. You need to constantly be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Every day, this isn't just a one-time past event like, like put off the old man. That happened one time. That was a one-time event. But now there's this ongoing process. Every day you wake up, I need to change my thinking. I need to be renewed in the spirit of my mind. I need to yield my mind to the spirit and not yield it, not give it over to my old sin nature. And so Paul tells us in Corinthians that we are to take every thought captive that's 1 Corinthians 10:3 through 5 take every thought captive So Christian, don't just sit back and passively allow your mind to go wherever it wants to go. You have control over it. You as a new person renewed in the image of God, you as a a person within whom the, the Holy Spirit is living and dwelling, you have the ability to battle those thoughts in your mind and to yield your mind to the Spirit rather than the flesh. If you want to change as a Christian, that is a big, huge part of the battle. You've got to think and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And then we see that the Spirit uses the Word of God to renew our minds. So in, in John chapter 8, Jesus says this, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in Him, If you abide in My Word, if you, are, if you remain in My Word, if you saturate yourself in My Word, if you build your life around My Word, you are truly My disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, we're in bondage. Why are we in bondage? Because we've always believed lies. But now through Jesus Christ, we can know the truth and we can be set free from that old sinful lifestyle. Christian, you need to know and believe the truth. There are other passages we won't turn to. John 15, 7 and 8. John 17, where Jesus says to sanctify them. That's this process we're talking about. Sanctify them, Father, in the truth. Your Word is the truth. And so this process of renewing our minds happens through the Word of God. Let me read one more passage from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her that He might sanctify her. You see, God's purpose for you is not just to save you and, and give you an escape out of hell. His purpose, why Jesus died right here, it says, is that He might sanctify you. He wants to cleanse you of that old sin that's in your life. And so He says that He might sanctify her. How? Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word. See, we need to yield our minds to the Spirit of God. We need to, we need to bring our thoughts to the Word of God every day. Christian, this is why it's so important for you every single day to open up the Word of God and be in the Word of God, be reading the Word of God, be listening to preaching, be reading devotionals to get the mind the the Word of God like water washing over your mind again and again and again. If you're going to change, it has to happen through the Word of God. Again, it, it requires our effort. And I see so many Christians say, well, I don't really read the Bible. I'm not consistent. It's just so hard for me. You're never going to change. You're never going to be sanctified if you don't take the water of God's Word and wash your mind again and again and again. That is the means that the Spirit of God uses to change you. And as I said, as we started off, you look around in our culture, there are so many people say, I'm going to heaven, I've been saved. But they've never changed. And the reason is they're they're not washing their mind in the Word of God. You ever washed out a paintbrush? I've painted a few times. And you wash it and you you wring it out and you think you got all the paint out. Turn the water back on. There's more paint in there. How does that happen? It just seems like there has to be a finite amount of paint in there. But you can wash that thing and wash it and wash it. But you got to wash it for a long time before the water coming out of there finally is pure. That's the way our minds are. They've been so saturated with lies, with untruth, with sin, that we've got to come again and again and again to the Word of God and have them... Washed out. We need to be like the psalmist who meditates day and night on the Word of God. This is the, the central piece. This is the central part of how we're made new. If we're going to be changed, it's going to be through the Word of God. And my desire, what, what we've said here is our mission at Union Baptist Church is to grow disciples for the glory of God and, and in community, but growing disciples. Listen, church, we are not going to grow as a body we are not going to reach that mature manhood the full stature of christ until we get into the word and we begin to be sanctified and i pray that god might do that in your heart and in your life let's pray our heavenly father we ask you through your spirit that you would sanctify us help us give us the zeal and the desire and the passion to be made new help us understand that we are not saved just to sit back and enjoy this, but but that we've been called to a change process in which we are freed from sin. God, help us not to be so foolish to fill our minds with Facebook and Twitter and television and sitcoms and, and romance novels and everything else, Lord, and not fill our minds with Your Word, with the truth. Sanctify us in the truth. Your Word is truth. We confess that this morning. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.